This message was preached as pulpit supply by Jared File. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it is beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would, turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. Yes, I'm still there. 1 Peter chapter 1, and we'll begin in verse 13 today. Um, this week, um, I, have a, I have a Twitter account. <laughs> And uh, I saw just, I think it was yesterday, there was a man in Canada who was peacefully protesting uh, the gender ideology. Um, he was peacefully protesting, saying that um, dads should be men and that uh, dads should not let their children, not let their sons and daughters buy into uh, the gender ideology that is pushed by the culture today. And uh, this man who was just standing there with a sign, just peacefully and engaging in conversation, uh, was basically beaten in public for doing that. Um, There's video uh, where some thugs came up and started cursing at him and beating him. Um, it showed uh, an x-ray where his forearm was broken. This is the world that we live in. Uh, we are living in a world at where, where it seems that, um, that things that uh, used to be common sense are now evil if you hold them. At least the world thinks they are. So how are Christians supposed to live in the midst of a hostile world? And I've said, I think 1 Peter is a book that is all about how Christians are supposed to live in the midst of a hostile world. Peter writes to us as strangers and aliens, right? We're different. We're not like the world around us. We're citizens of another realm and and, and, and our king is coming one day and he's going to set all things right. But right now we live in the midst of, a pres- of the present evil age. Uh, so how is it we're supposed to live? Um, this has been the theme the whole time that I've been going through 1 Peter. And uh, it, it continues on today. Um, and uh, let's just kind of think about what we have already heard in 1 Peter. We've got a great things to be praising God for. He has caused us to be born again, Right? He's caused us to be born again. He has caused us uh, to be born again. We have a future hope to look forward to. He holds us by His own hands. We can rejoice in tribulation. Amen? We can rejoice even whenever we get beaten for telling the truth. Amen? We have the great privilege of revelation. We can stand back and we can see how, how all of history has been, was leading up to Jesus Christ and His death on the cross. And one day, He's coming again. So that is all true. That is all, this is the case of what the world is, what, what is true about life in the world, about what God has done for us in Jesus. Now, what do we do about it? That's what Peter gets to. Verse verse 13 begins. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children... 
Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, Your Word nourishes us. Lord, Your Word... um, helps us, Lord, to to be equipped to live in the midst of this world that we face. Lord, help us, Lord, to understand it, to love your word, and Lord, to to grow as we feast on the milk and meat of your word. Lord, be with me. Give me strength as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Therefore... And it is cliche, but I'll say it anyway. When you see a therefore, you go back and you see what it's there for. <laughs> right? <laughs> therefore, it's, an, it's what's called an inference. Okay? It's, he's already been telling us these things are true. We've been born again. We, and we should praise God because we've been born again. We, ha- we, have, uh, we have a future hope waiting for us. We, we have... Um, um, God holds us in His hand. All of these things that we've been talking about all this time in 1 Peter, therefore, this is what you do about it. And then, so, so the letters of Scripture are kind of, all of them are divided into two sections, really. Uh, there's, there's parts that tell us, this is what God has done. This is declaring a truth. Uh, it's a statement. It's, a, it's, a, it's just a, a declarative statement. This is what God has done in Christ. And that's what we've been looking at so far. Uh, is, is This is what God has done. And, and we ought to praise Him for all these things. But then it's where the rubber meets the road. And He, he, he tells us these commands. These commands. And so therefore, on the basis of what is true, this is what we do. It's important that we understand the order that's here. First, he tells us what's true. First, he makes the statement about about what is real. And then he comes to the command. That's the way the Scripture deals with things. Um, He doesn't tell us the commands first. Because we're saved on the basis of what God has already done for us, right? We're saved on the basis of believing that God has acted in history by sending His Son to die on the cross for us. That's what we're saved by. We're not saved by trying to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and just be good people, right? That's, that's not what we're saved by. So because of that, I think that's why the, the, in, the uh, commands in Scripture are always based in what God has already done. And so, therefore, because of what God has done, preparing your minds for action, being sober, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, I know not all translations are going to be the same. Some translations might say, prepare your minds for action or be sober-minded. Um, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace. And the reason it does that is there's really only one main verb there, and that's the last one. Set your hope fully on the grace that we brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What does that matter? 
Well, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of dealing with grammar here. What's, what does that matter? Um, I believe the, the reason that matters is the other two items, uh, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, those are describing how we are to set our hope fully on the grace that will be brought to us. So the main command that we're supposed to hear from this, how we're to live in the midst of this hostile world is, set your hope fully on the grace that's to be revealed. Okay? So, we live in a hostile culture. People think we're bigots because we stand on biblical truth about human sexuality and about a host of other things. Okay? How will we withstand... We are to set our hope fully on the grace that is to be revealed. We are to be future-oriented, right? Future-oriented. We're looking forward to what is to come. Now, uh, I'm, I'm going to give a, a little bit of an example here, and, and it's not a perfect example. It's just kind of what I thought of as I was preparing. But um, my daughter... My daughter is, I think she's an excellent artist. I mean, she's, she's 15 years old, and she just draws and draws and draws, and she's just excellent. But I can remember when she was little, um, she, she wanted to draw. But would she bring me an, a, a picture, you know, it was, it was not that great. I mean, we've all, we've all seen little kids' drawings and everything. Um, but you know what? She wanted to draw. She wanted to learn to do it well. And, you know, she just worked at it and worked at it and worked at it. I don't think she had natural talent that, that she just automatically knew how to draw. But she wanted it so bad, she fixed her eyes on the prize, so to speak. She fixed her eyes on, this is what I want to be. And so she, she, she had that in mind. This is where I want to be. And so she drove there. She, she drove herself in that direction. Whereas me, I can remember being a little kid and drawing little pictures and I saw it, and I thought, I'll never get there. <laughs> I, I'll never be an artist. And, and I was discouraged, okay? And, and I, I can't draw a stick figure today, okay? And, and the difference there is my daughter, who I think is an excellent artist, she had her eyes on where she wanted to be. And that's how she got there. Here, we're to set our hopes on the future, if we want to know how to live in the midst of this hostile culture, don't get our eyes on what's going in the, on in the world right now. Okay? We, we, we can get so caught up in the news, in social media. But you know what? What's in here is more real than what's on the news. What's in here is more real. And I don't care if it's CNN or Fox News. I don't care if it's MSNBC or Newsmax. It doesn't matter. What's in here is more real than what's on the news. I lost my place. Because <laughs> what's on the news will distract us. It will discourage us. It will, it will make us want to feel like giving up. But when we set our eyes, when we set our hope fully on the grace that's to be revealed. And, and what is this grace that's to be revealed? It's what he's already been talking about, right? Therefore, 
On the basis of all this, set your hope fully on that. We need to daily remember what God has done for us. He's caused us to be born again. Right? We set our hope on that. We have a future inheritance. This is future oriented. We have a future inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for us. So, set our hope on that. We don't need to hope in what we got in the bank. Okay? We don't need to hope in how our career is going. We don't need to hope in how our kids are behaving or our adult kids are behaving. We don't hope in all those things. We hope in the resurrection of the body. We hope in the return of Christ. That He's coming and one of these days He's going to, set, he's going to wipe everything, all of our tears away and He's going to set everything right. There will no longer be any crying or pain and every, all of His enemies will be crushed under His feet. That's where we've got to set our hope. Because if we're looking at today, we're going to be discouraged and defeated. But if we look on the hope of the future, that's real. That's real. Um, now, he gives these other words here as he's, as he's coming. He says, therefore, preparing your minds for action. Okay, that's active. That, that, that takes work. We've got to prepare our minds for action. And so many times I hear it in churches, well, I don't want to think about theology, and I don't want to think about, I don't want to think about hard things. Oh, just give me the, the, the simple gospel. And that, there's a truth to that. There is a truth to that. Because, you know, we don't need to be, um, you know, ivory tower kind of people. But at the same time, the Bible is deep and rich. And, 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 and when, when God, when He saves us, He calls us to think about what He did. And that's, that takes effort to think and to meditate on the Scriptures. It takes effort. So how are we going to fo- focus on the future? How are we going to set our hope on the future? We've got to think. We've got to prepare our minds. It takes active energy to do so. It doesn't happen automatically. We've got to work to set our hope on the future on what He is going to reveal to us. Um, then, being sober-minded. Now we think of sober oftentimes of the lack of intoxication, right? Uh, it's, it's, um, if we're sober, we're, we're, we're not drunk. There are two, two um, opposites there. Um, but here, I, I think it's more than just that, but it's, uh, it's the idea of having a grip on reality, right? Having a grip on reality. If we're sober, we have a grip on reality. We know what's real. And like I said, this is more real than what's on the news. This is more real than what's on social media, what's on Twitter, what's on Facebook, or whatever other social media we might follow. So we need to have a grip on reality. Um, Something that makes us get sobered up would be maybe a a near miss, an accident. Um, You ever driving down the road and 
you maybe get distracted or something and you realize just in time and, and, you, and you straighten up and, and you don't roll, come off the road or you, you get back over on the line and, and you're like, whoo, man, that was a near miss. That, I, I, I could have been dead. Anybody had an experience like that? <laughs> okay. That, that, that sobers us up. That gives us a grip on reality. Or, or maybe, you know, my daughter, she's in uh, driver's ed now. Okay. She's in driver's ed and she had to do a paper on, uh, on um, um, reckless driving incidents that lead to fatalities. Okay? You read those articles and things like that and you're like, whoa. You know, I think the reason why assignments like that are given to kids as they're in driver's ed is so that they could be sobered up. Right? They get a grip on reality. I, you know, this is not, not a toy I'm playing with here. This is, a, this, is, this is life and death when I get behind the wheel. And it sobers them up. We need to be sober. We need to have a grip on reality so that we can set our hope fully on the grace that's to be revealed. And it tells us when that grace will be revealed. That grace that will be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's coming again. Amen? He's coming again. And we live right now in the present evil age. We live right now in a time when we are grieved by various trials, right? Like we saw a couple weeks ago. But at the revelation of Jesus Christ, no longer will we be grieved by various trials. No longer. We live in what, what Peter said a few weeks, when we talked about it a few weeks ago, uh, it's just a little while, right? It's just a little while. But oh, the glory that will be revealed whenever He comes again. So that's the first thing we're to do. We are to set our hope fully on the grace that's to be revealed. And next... Verse 14, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Now there's a negative and a positive here. And he gives us a basis. The first thing, as obedient children. As obedient children. That's important. That's not a throwaway thing. That's that's important. How is it that we can be holy? Because we're children of God. (laughs) Right? We can't be holy if we're not children of God. It doesn't matter how good of a moral of a person you are. If you've not been born again, you can't be holy. And here he tells us as obedient children. You know what? In life, if we are like our fathers, earthly fathers, you know, I mean, so much of, of history, um, a, a, a young man would learn what his father did and he would act like his father, right? He would do the same job that his father did before him, right? Uh, that was until the modern era, that was what everyone did. You learned what your father did and you did that, most people. And um, here, he tells us to be as obedient children. We're, we're, we're to be holy because our Father is holy. Right? Um, he says, as obedient children, do not be conformed 
to the passions of your former ignorance. This is a negative, and then it's followed by a positive. I'm going to jump to the. I'm going to skip past the negative and go straight to for the positive here. He says, "But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct." Right? What is holiness? I've been talking about holiness here, and I haven't defined it. So what is holiness? Holiness is, it's got two concepts, I think, involved. One is a moral purity, okay? It's, more, it's, it's morally good and pure. And, and so God is morally good and pure, and so we ought to be in it, that way. We ought to also be morally pure. And it also has the idea of a separateness. Uh, sanctified, it means it, it, it's, it's set apart for God's use. And so... Uh, God is holy because he's, he's different from us. He's, he's separate from us. Um, he, is, he is higher, uh, as, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are his thoughts than our thoughts. He is holy. And, and we ought to be separate from the world, right? We ought to be um, distinct and different. We ought not to live like the world does. We ought not to, to uh, uh, accept the the ideologies of the world, but instead we ought to be separate and distinct. And so he says, as he who called you, again, this word called, we've heard before. I can't find the verse at the moment, but... He's called us out of darkness and into light. He's called us. When we were saved, He called us to Himself. Okay? As He who called you is holy, we're to be like Him. We are to actively... This isn't a passive thing. Okay? This isn't a passive thing. We are to actively progress towards holiness. It's not... Uh, I mean, uh, you, you may have heard the expression, let go and let God. That seems like a passive idea. Uh, but we have a command, be holy. Be holy. We, we ought to actually work towards being holy, uh, to be separate from the world, to be morally pure. Um. And it's talking about our behavior. It says, be holy in all your conduct. Now, why did I go to the positive first? The command to, to be holy, to be distinct from the world, to be morally pure? Well, because sometimes we have such a hard time understanding what it is to be holy. God is so holy and He's so distinct, we just can't wrap our minds around what holiness is. So sometimes, whenever that's the case... God gives us a negative so that we can understand it better. I think this, these two commands here, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance and be holy in all your conduct, are together. They're two sides of the same coin. You got that? They're two sides of the same coin. So, he's telling us, if you want to know what holiness is for you, it's don't be conformed to the passions of of your former ignorance. We're not to be conformed, as, as Romans 1 tells us, or Romans 12 tells us, to um, we're not to be conformed to the world, but we're to be transformed 
By the renewing of our minds. Here the mind goes again. Like, a, like we're to prepare our minds for action. We're to renew our minds. Um, he tells us here, we're not to be conformed to the passions of our former ignorance. It, what, what, and, and here he tells us, this is something we used to be. Remember? We used to be lost without Him. We used to walk in darkness. We used to be alienated from God. We used to follow after the passions of our own hearts. Um, you know, Disney princess movies. Right? What do they tell you? Follow your heart. They tell all of our kids, follow your heart. And yet, um, uh, Jeremiah 17.9 tells us, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? The Bible tells us the, diff- the opposite of what Disney princess stories tell us, isn't it? And um, in Numbers, you ever hear, hear the stories, the, the, the uh, passage in Numbers that's talking about having tassels on your garments? Tassels. Uh, go back and look at I can't remember what chapter it is right now. But it tells us, it tells the Jewish people at the time to put tassels on their garments. And the tassels so, were to, so that whenever they look at them, they would remember not to follow after their own heart. <laughs> that was, uh, go back and look at it in, in, in uh, Numbers, and maybe I can find it after the service if you want me to point you there. But following after our own heart will lead us to death. And, and so here he tells us, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Before we knew Jesus, before we were born again, it tells us we were ignorant, we were blind, we were dead. But we're not supposed to live like we used to be. We're not supposed to live like what we did whenever before we knew Jesus. Instead, <coughs> we're to live lives separate from the world. We're not to embrace the ideologies of this world. And we're to, to live lives of moral purity. Finally, he says, since it was written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. I don't want to skip this reason. Since it is written, it's because God's Word says it. Right? Right? Because God's Word says it. We are to be holy because God tells us in His Word. The Bible says we're to be holy. So that's another reason why we ought to be holy. And the final reason here is because I am holy. Again, it's kind of back to the whole as obedient children thing. We've been born again. We're now God's children. And if we're children of God... We need to be like He is. He's holy. We need to imitate our Father and be holy. So, backing up here again. How do we get through this present evil age? This hostile world? We remember that we are strangers and aliens. This world is not our home. We remember that He's caused us to be born again. We remember that we have a future hope in glory that it will never fade away, that is imperishable, that is, is, is um, uh, unfading. And we remember that He holds us in His hands. And we remember that we can rejoice in suffering. And we remember we have a great privilege 
in living on this side of the cross. And we set our hope fully on that. Set our hope fully on that. And we live holy lives. That's what Peter is calling us to. That's what God is calling us to in these verses. You want to know how to live in these days? When the world is against us, whenever a person can be beaten just for standing up for what the Word says, set our hope fully on the grace that's to be revealed in Christ. Christ.